Welcome, listener. You're tuned into the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, the 20th episode of the show, in fact. I'm your host and guide, Robert Kerr, and this is your source for soccer in the Great Lakes State. Here on episode 20, we've got a bumper crop of guests for you. We've got some great chats with some high school coaches, both from the public and the private school leagues. Brother Rice's head varsity football coach or soccer coach, Danny Price, as well as Romeo High School's Vinny Vasilevsky. And then we finish up today's episode with a revisit with Pro Scout and friend of the program, Brooks Lambeer. Gotta say congratulations to Sterling Heights Stevenson, who was last week's Michigan Soccer Central We Are Soccer Team of the Week. If you want to nominate a great performance or a great performance off the field to the Team of the Week panel, please be sure to send a DM to either the Michigan Soccer Central or the We Are Soccer social media accounts. We bring our own nominations, but love to see everyone sending in theirs. Um, Lots of great teams out there right now playing lots of good soccer. Such an active time of the year. Before we dig into our high school soccer conversations, we do need to acknowledge the end of a historical streak here in Michigan soccer. The streak for Detroit City FC, unbeaten in 27 games, and a calendar-lasting streak that went less than a week shy of uh, a full calendar year. Saturday, in Nisa action, Detroit City FC fell 1-0 to Stumptown in front of just under 4,000 fans, their first loss since September 21st, 2020, against the Michigan Stars. And so, uh, quite a remarkable streak. Uh, Detroit has been unreal, pulling out the win whenever they need to, but not quite uh, uh, getting it over the line for the first time in almost a year on Saturday night in Keyworth Stadium. Um, It almost seemed glossed over in the coverage uh, that uh, there was a very uh, special uh, Detroit and Michigan uh, celebrity. Red Wing, Detroit Red Wing great Darren McCarty uh, had an appearance at the game and got lots of coverage for that. Great to see the crossover. Uh, Darren McCarty, definitely a treasure here in the Metro Detroit area and the hockey uh, community at large. So it was very cool to see uh, that crossover as he was popping smoke and getting in to the mix with the Northern Guard supporters. Um, To get a little bit more detail on this, I'll uh, read a passage from uh, Michigan-based writer Sean Spence, who's got a great Patreon talking Detroit City FC called Words About Shapes, and he surmised that in the end, Stumptown AC got the celebration their play deserved. In front of Detroit City's rabid supporters, the Stumpers, Stumpy Lads, Stumpsters, or Little Stumpies had been the better team over the 90 minutes and made the most of their best chance, getting a volleyed goal by center back Deshaun Nembard off a set piece in the 80th minute. And that single tally would be enough to send LaRouge to defeat for the first time since their 2-0 loss to Michigan Stars in the opening round of the NISA Fall Tournament in September 21st, 2020. 
remarkable stuff. Trevor James and uh, everyone at Detroit doing an awesome job. And it's that that result on Saturday, their first loss combined with the second place LA Force still being unbeaten. And in back-to-back wins by the Michigan Stars means that the top of the NISA table is starting to get very interesting. And the upcoming results for both uh, Detroit City FC and the Stars will be uh, a good watch. Because Detroit City uh, welcomes that second place LA Force team to Hamtramck this Saturday. And then um, it could be spicy on October 9th when Detroit City goes head-to-head with the now third-place Michigan Stars. So if uh, uh, results go um, evenly or uh, if any more points are dropped and gained by the Stars, that game on October 9th between Detroit City FC and Michigan Stars could be something special. All right. We're going to move into our next segments where we dig in and get some perspective from Michigan high school coaching ranks. We're going to hear first from Brother Rice's head varsity coach, Danny Price, followed by Romeo High School's Vinny Vasilevsky. We're lucky to be joined by head varsity soccer coach of Brother Rice High School, Mr. Danny Price. Welcome to Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. It's uh, great to have you here and uh, always looking for more perspectives uh, to learn more about the game here in the Great Lakes State. Um, First of all, it looks like you had uh, a great result over the weekend. Can you kind of tell me about uh, uh, your soccer weekend? Yeah, it was positive. Um, You know, we we uh, had an unfortunate result on on Thursday night um, against UDJ in the Catholic League. Boys played well. Um, actually, had a, a goal that went in and, and, and wasn't recorded by the the, the officials. But um, you know, Saturday we regrouped against a, a tough Heartland team and and played very well. Some some good attacking football and, and and scored a bunch of goals. So you know, our weekend against Heartland was a, a positive result going into this week's games. Awesome. Um, so yeah, just tell us about uh, the games and like um, kind of uh, how your season is going up until this point at uh, Brother Rice. It's been going well. I mean, we we faced a few setbacks, you know, um, early on in the season. Um, we lost actually our, our starting goalkeeper and our backup goalkeeper within the space of a week of each other, both to a concussion. Um, so we've had to pivot and make some uh, difficult decisions. Um, but um, the boys have played well, you know. Um, been progressive improvements throughout the season. Um, I, I think that uh, you know we've always intended to play a good brand of soccer. Um, we've had we've been up against it in some games um, it, under pressure, but you know we've we've been progressively getting better with every game. And and um, you know I think now we've we've started to turn the corner a little bit in in scoring goals and, and having a little bit more confidence in front of goal. But um, you know as you know as I said, you know the Catholic League is the the hardest league to the hardest conference really, in my opinion, to, to play in throughout the, the fall season. And, you know, we're still in with a shout of, of qualifying for the Catholic League Championship. So, you know, we're looking forward to the next two weeks, which that'll be decided. And and then hopefully, you know, onto the playoffs. Uh, we're definitely in the thick of it. We're recording here on uh, September 20th. Um, so I believe what we're about 10 games into the season and I've got uh, a few more to go. Um, 
how uh, you're in your third year, uh, correct, at Brother Rice? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And then, so how is uh, your varsity side made up as far as um, the the ages and the, the the years in school? We've been we've been really young, actually. My first year, um, you know, I I came in after we graduated. I think twelve to thirteen seniors out of the, the previous coaches' um, tenure. Um, so we were we were quite young, um, and I always believe in youth. Uh, as a youth soccer player myself, I I played up a number of years back in England and. You know, I was always under the impression that, you know, if you, you know, if, if you're good enough, then you're ready to play at that level. And, you know, we, so we've always had a young team. Um, I think my very first year here, we started six freshmen in our starting 11, um, which was, which has been great. And it's also been great for their experience now being, you know, three years down the line as juniors, you know, they're able to deal with the rigors of the Catholic league and, and, and the state tournament. So, um, the, the second year was positive. You know, we we picked up a, a bunch of transfers that didn't play high school their first year, that knew me as a club coach and, and wanted to come to a school that that kind of played a really good brand of soccer and, and not the the dump and run as you as you see quite a lot in in high school soccer. But um, you know, th- this third year has been great. Last year we were just a little undersized, um, still played a great brand of soccer, but very undersized. And as you know, you know, fifteen, sixteen year olds against eighteen year old men is a, is a big jump. Um, but, um, this year it's been going well, you know, we, the, the makeup of the team is, is mo- mostly juniors and, and a couple of seniors in the starting 11 filled with lots of quality. Um, we've got two freshmen on the team this year that, that, uh, that are good players and have contributed so far very well. So the, the future's brighter, brother Ice, you know, so, um, we're, you know, we're looking forward to, to building a successful program. That's very exciting. So it sounds like uh, if you're um, a lot of juniors and you started three uh, years ago with a lot of freshmen, it sounds like almost like a, a, um, a rebuild, something that Michigan sports fans don't want to hear about. It kind of sounds like you uh, kind of rebuilt the program there a little bit or are on that uh, pathway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, as a, as a head coach, you're always looking to, you know, to improve from from year one to year two and, and so on, you know, with new players that come in, you know, I think with high school soccer is obviously a lot like college, you know, you, you're preparing for, you know, a four year cycle and, you know, you, you're constantly looking to improve every year. So, but yeah, from, from day one, when I took over, you know, you, you're trying to change the culture, obviously, you know, in, into your own vision and your own style. And, and um, that takes a little bit of time to bed in um, with, with the new players that, that come through the program. Um, but I feel like we're now getting to that point now where we've got total buy-in from the group. Um, it's a great group of boys, you know, one through 24. The, they're all very like-minded individuals that, that want to come in and work hard for training every day. And they have their goals and, and their mindset right. Um, we never really have to touch on hard work. It's just little tactical moments in the game that, that um, you, you know, can be improved upon to, to get the results that we need. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great three years. Um, but yeah, as you say, you know, Michigan fans don't want to hear about rebuilds, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a rebuild from, from day one. Um, you kind of touched on it there a little bit. Um, but with, uh, I want to talk about the, the schedule, just like the, the condensedness of it. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, um, how do you, what, what at this age group, um, in high school and in younger high school, what are kind of like the, the more tactical or actually more technical is what I mean. Like what are the uh, things you're able to get technical wise uh, at this age group? Well, you know, I, I, the schedule is very tough, obviously, and we'll touch on that in a second. But, um, 
you know, we, we as a group, you know, we had the boys throughout the summertime, um, certainly the varsity candidates that were returning, um, they took part in the next level training program with Aaron Bird. Um, Aaron's just a, a fantastic friend of mine and um, he's, um, he's absolutely brilliant at what he does. Um, I've got to give him a lot of credit for that. Um, the, the players that he's uh, produced um, uh, and helped technically. So we've had our boys do that to increase their, their technical ability over the summertime so that we can focus more on, you know, team organization, team tactics when the season starts um, and, and obviously introducing the fitness component of it as well. Um, so Aaron's been fantastic for us this summer um, and really helped the boys with their, their technical application um, to, what, to what's needed to play our brand of soccer here at Brother Rice. Um, but um, yeah, that's, that, that's a big piece, you know, the technical side of it, especially with the brand of soccer that we like to play. And so, so you're much more on the ball. You, you touched on that earlier, but so, so, so you kind of uh, had them learn that almost in the preseason, spend the off season working that up. So when you get to the fall, that's almost like all action game time. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we, when we get to, when we get to the fall, you know, you, you know, as well as anybody, you've, you've got a fantastic show and a platform where you report the games and it's thick and fast, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like the English Premier League and the Champions League in a way, you know, if you, if you're one of the top teams, you're playing, you know, three, two to three games a week, um, you know, and, and there's only seven days in, in a week. So, you know, the, the days in between games, you, you can't really train the way you want to. Um, it, it's a lot of recovery um, from the players. You know, you, you, you're putting them through ice baths, you're putting them through stretching, a little bit of yoga, um, cooling down after games. You know, it's it's a lot of recovery work in between games to get them ready for the next uh, the next um, you know competitive fixture. So, you know, there are times where we do get to train and, and work on our shape and work on our tactics that we're going to employ in each game. But like you said, you know, it's the, the schedule so tough that a lot of it's recovery. And so, how deep is the team? Like, uh, do you play? Like, I guess, how do you manage uh, workload? Because you you played Thursday and Saturday, and then you're going to play Tuesday and then Thursday. So, a lot of the same guys playing, or is there a big rotation? How do you manage that? Um, I'm fortunate, really, to be honest with you, because we, you know, not only did we do the technical um, program in the summertime, we also put them on a fitness program, um, and they had to complete certain fitness testing coming into the start of the season. So. You know, we've been outside of the two goalkeepers. We've been quite fortunate with the fact that the boys are fit, they're healthy, um, that they're eating good foods and they're quite committed to it. Um, so we haven't had much turnover in terms of injuries where we've had to go so deep. Um, obviously, the goalkeeper situation is kind of an anomaly. Um, uh, one concussion was actually in a pre-game warm-up against Rochester Adams. He, he got clipped by his own teammate. And the second one was actually a game against De La Salle. So we were quite unlucky in that area. Um, but we're hoping to have both those boys back earlier this week as we kind of go into the, the you know the end of the season. But um, you know we've we've got a strong roster of players. You know um, there's an element of trust there with with the players. I mean every game changes, right? You know um, game to game. You know you you have certain players that are, that are make up for for certain games and 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 you rely on certain others for. For, for certain tough games, you know, and it just depends on matchups and opponents, you know, of, of who plays and who doesn't. So, um, you know, I'm pretty happy with the squad of players that we have right now. Um, you said that uh, you, you came to uh, Brother Rice from the club game. Um, what brought you to high school coaching? It was something I really wasn't um, looking to get into at the time, to be honest. Um, 
you know, I was, I was quite busy with club stuff. Um, and it was, uh, you know, um, it was kind of dropped in my lap in a way. Um, the, the former coach Barry Brodsky was retiring. Um, I'd known Barry for a long time. Um, I'd heard that he's retiring. I reached out to him, you know, to congratulate him on a great career and, and, you know, thank him for all the years of, of giving my boys at the club level, you know, some, some great experiences. And, and he said, Hey, why don't you sit down with the AD? So, you know, I put in an application process and I just wanted to, to see how it would go and, and, and see what the level of commitment was, et cetera. And once I got on campus and I spoke with our AD, Jeff Calcaterra, who's a, an amazing fella, um, you know, he sold me down a river in a way and, and took me around the campus and out onto the field. And I really fell in love with the, uh, with with the with the school from a not only from a Catholic sense but also from um, you know just being on campus and and um, looking at what I had to work with and the support that the school and the athletic department w- were willing to give me was was um, was really enticing so I decided to give it a shot and and um, you know going into my third year now I I absolutely love it you know it's it's a it's, it's a brilliant thing. Um, how does a, like a, a general day uh, work? Are you at the school during school hours or how does that all work? No, I mean, I work, I work at our home, both for club and high school. Um, you know, a lot of it right now, obviously, you know, we came off the game on Saturday. So, you know, today I'm, I'm going through a little bit of film just to see what in areas that we can improve upon. We actually had a film session on Friday after the U of D game to talk about some components in the game that we needed to improve upon and some moments that were very good. Um, you know, we, we do have a blend of that. So we, we do quite a lot of video. So between myself and my assistant, we, we go through film and prepare mo- moments for the, for the boys that we can kind of touch on, um, you know, preparing for training later at three o'clock, you know, how we're going to divide the team up and get the most out of training from, from both myself and, and the assistant coaches that we have. Um, but, um, you know, it's just a lot of, a lot of busy work really, to be honest with you, but the, the enjoyment is really 3 p.m. onwards where we, we get on the field and we can either go through a recovery session or, or work on components to improve ourselves for the next game. Um, what would you say to um, younger players like middle school age that are kind of eyeing um, getting on the on a varsity team? What, what, what can they do um, or work on or what advice could you give to a, a kid who's just maybe a year or two out from um, hitting that high school level? Just practice. I mean, you know, I think one of the the, one of the things that I talk to club players about a lot and obviously with, um, you know, with having a high school group and and changing the culture within this within this team and and this uh, soccer program over the years is is doing more than your opponents, you know, like we introduced the next level training program over the summertime where a lot of people are sat around and, and on lakes and stuff, you know, our boys are out there training twice a week, working on their technical aspects of, of improvements and, and also doing their fitness program. So, you know, I, any young, any young lad that's, you know, middle school getting ready to go into high school, it's just improving your fitness work. It's a very demanding schedule. Um, it's, it's a very demanding schedule and, say if you're good enough as a freshman hopefully coaches out there can recognize that and and give you those opportunities i know in some bigger schools you know they 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 start off at the jv program i think but you know we're not necessarily a big school in terms of enrollment so there's more opportunities for our lads coming in as a freshman if they're good enough to play on varsity because we we believe in our youth 
um you know so a lot of practice do more than 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 people at home keep your foot on the ball over the summertime engage in technical training programs engage in fitness programs because it is a quite a demanding schedule once you get into it thank you for that uh that's great insight uh state taking another step back even more so uh more bigger picture what advice would you give to uh, parents of like younger kids? Myself, for example, I'm personally curious. I have a seven and a five. What uh, advice would you give to parents whose kids are really into soccer but uh, don't quite know the the, the advancement, the, the the pathway? I would just reach out to your local community soccer clubs. You know, within your area, you know, you can you can search through those online. You know, there's several clubs in the area that are. That are very good clubs that are good at developing players. Obviously, I'm quite biased in the fact that I work for Liverpool um, International Academy of Michigan out of, out of the uh, old Ultimate Soccer Arena is now the UWM Soccer Complex. And, you know, we've got programs starting at five years old all the way up until 18 years old that, you know, focus on the fundamentals and basics of the game at an early age and, and um, you, you know, the, the fun aspect of playing with, you know, small-sided games and, and little activities that can really make the kids smile and enjoy the game. So, you know, as long as they're enjoying it, you know, as long as they, they're, they're pulling at your arm or getting your keys, your car keys for you to say, hey, mom, dad, I need to, I want to go to practice. Let's go. Let's get in the car. Um, you know, those things are always good as long as they're enjoying it. Um, you know, that's the most important thing at those young ages. And, you know, being with a, being with a soccer program that's got some, some really good qualified coaches that can, they can focus on those fundamentals through fun games and, and bring out the best in, in your soccer player, at a, a technical aspect. Cause really, you know, at that age between, you know, five and 10, 11 years old, it really should all be about, you know, that improving technically, you know, through little games and little fun games. So um, yeah, that's probably the best advice I could give you. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And before I let you go, um, there's a question I like to to ask a passionate soccer folks, and you definitely seem like one of those. What is your dream goal? What is the best goal that you yourself have scored or you've seen in real, uh, like in person? What is the best goal or your favorite goal? The best goal I've ever seen in person. Um, wow. So many goals. I mean, I, I grew up, um, I'm, I was raised in Manchester, so I'm a Manchester United fan my whole life. And, and um, you know, I, I think, you know, going back to my earlier days, um, you know, being on the uh, being on the terraces at Old Trafford watching Manchester United play, I think probably arguably the best goal I've ever seen live was the uh, Wayne Rooney overhead kick against Manchester City a number of years ago. Um, that was probably the best goal I've seen live. Um, you know, the best goal I've seen on, on, on television, um, you know, for, for me was was the David Beckham free kick at Old Trafford against Greece um, that sent us to the World Cup in, in uh, Africa, South Africa, I think it was at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, 90th minute and he bends it over the wall into the top corner, which was kind of my forte as a player. I was quite quite a set-piece kind of player. So um, it's always nice to, to see those goals go in, but so many goals to choose from. But if I was to say live, a, a game that I, would, that I would see live was the <clears throat> Wayne Rooney overhead kick against Manchester City. Yeah, I, I can. That's definitely a, a notable one. That's a pretty wild that you were there. That's a pretty iconic. Uh, I'd say what top three all-time Rooney moment. 
I would say so. I mean, he's had so many, so many great moments. You know, I, I was really fortunate enough to watch a, a Manchester United team at that time that had, you know, Wayne Rooney, Carlos Tevez, Cristiano Ronaldo in it. So, you know, between the three of them that, that season, we, we won the Champions League in 2008. There were so many good goals in, in that season. Um, not Most notably, Ronaldo's, I think he scored 38, 39 goals that season. So, um yeah, there's obviously you look at world class players like Messi and Ronaldo Ibrahimovic have just scored some insane goals that on television that you've seen that you could arguably say that they're one no one is better than the other and they're all great. But that one stood out for me just because it's a Manchester derby and and um you know it was the the goal that that um that that, that won the game for us. So um it was a it was a nice one for me and a nice memory. Uh definitely definitely one you won. Uh, forget anytime soon. Um, uh, is there anywhere if people are curious to learn more about the Brother Rice program, uh, where, where should we send them? Yeah, you can go to um, the Brother Rice soccer page. Um, if you uh, if you just type into your web browser, you know, Brother Rice soccer uh, or Brother Rice athletics, um, you can pull up the, the soccer page. It's got my information on there as well as, you know, information about all the other soccer all the other programs at, at Brother Rice, so you know you can uh, you can reach us that way, um, you know, or through the MHSAA. You can look at our results and, and get our website information, athletic directors' information through there. Um, you know, it, it's quite searchable these days with the internet. So, all right, Danny Price, head varsity soccer coach at Brother Rice High School. Thank you for joining me on Michigan Soccer Central. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Welcome back. This is Robert Kerr with Michigan Soccer Central, and uh, very thankful to be joined by another uh, member of the high school coaching ranks, the Romeo High School head coach, Mr. Vinny Vasilevsky. Welcome to Michigan Soccer Central, sir. Thank you, Rob. Really glad to be here. So uh, we were just talking a moment just before we started recording. I haven't seen you since the uh, end of uh, summer club season. Um, how has the lead into high school soccer and how was your season up until now? Um, well, it's been a pretty natural progression. You know, you're coaching every day at uh, OCFC and then you got the boys doing their summer workouts throughout the week. So it's pretty much been seamless for me. I don't know if it's been easy on, on the wife and the kid, <laughs> but it's been pretty seamless for me. Uh, and so far, the boys have done pretty good. We're five, four and one. Uh, some good results, couple up and down results, but overall, I'm pretty pleased with how it's been so far. Um, I always like to usually start off. How was your soccer weekend? We're recording on Monday the twentieth. How how was uh, soccer this weekend for you? Um, actually, we had a uh, a couple issues with kids that were exposed to COVID, so we actually had the kids get tested today. Thankfully, uh, all positive, uh, all negatives, positive results for us. So. We'll get back to the field on Wednesday. So we actually had the weekend off. We were supposed to play Lake Orion. Uh, luckily, our JVB and JVA were able to play, and they were uh, uh, two really good games. So Lake Orion has a really good program going over there with Coach Cortez. Um, did you have a uh, – so today's game is canceled as well? Yes, with Utica. Yep, unfortunately. We moved that game to October 1st. Oh, okay. So there, there was a date to a reschedule. That's that's good. Uh, I know with how tight the um, fall season is scheduled, I wasn't sure if there's a, any room for makeups there. 
Yeah, we've we left a couple of dates open just for because Utica's in the Mac White with us, so we had to pretty much figure out a way. And Coach Coach Torito over at Utica, class act, and he did a good job in helping us out and wants to make sure we have a good game when we play. So, so um, up in Romeo, uh, tell us a little bit about um, um, this. Like, what what is the Romeo uh, program all about? As and as well as um, the the league that you guys play in. Okay, so, uh, you know, the program, we really base our program based on hard work. So in the summers, it's uh, a three-mile run Monday through Thursdays for the boys. They go out and run on their own, uh, and they get Friday off. And the captains, you know, they kind of stay on top of the boys and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, Really basing it off of hard work and discipline, that's really what we're about. And when we fall short on those, we, we address it. And I think that's uh, the foundation, you know, when I came aboard. I mean, hard to believe it's been it's my fifth year. Uh, and it's changed dramatically since then. Uh, so, you know, really, we try to incorporate our summer workouts as really as the foundation of our program. And hopefully that leads into a successful season. Uh, regarding the MAC, we're in the MAC White. Uh, we play a lot of Mac Red crossovers. The Mac White uh, last year, I'd say, was very competitive. Cousineau was a very good team last year. Gross Point North was very good last year. Uh, this year, Gross Point South and Utica, along with us, that's kind of a three-horse race, in my opinion. Uh, but all the teams work hard. I mean, the, the Mac teams, I think people focus on the OAA a lot, and it is a really great conference, but I think we kind of get overlooked but there's a ton of hardworking teams that, you know, they really put 100% in every game. Um, you said that there's a lot of changes since you, you started um, with the program five years ago. Uh, can you detail what, what kind of how, how your approach has changed? Uh, first of all, you know, taking the summer more seriously. And that that's just not our program. A lot of programs, you know, some programs take that seriously, some don't. And I think that was the first major change. Uh, we've definitely amped up our fundraising. We got some pretty cool jerseys now, things like that to get the kids motivated. And, uh, I think that's, that's a huge thing is just making the whole program important, not just at the varsity level either. Um, JVB and JVA, uh, I try to be at almost every game I can be at least every home game to see what JVB looks like. Uh, I always watch all the JVA games before my game because I just think it's important to see what we have going, um, so I think that's a big difference. And then all three coaches, uh, you got myself, uh, Coach Igor, Coach Borcha, the JVB level. I mean, all three coaches, uh, licensed coaches. And I think at the high school level, that's really important. So I just really, we just really made it a point to make soccer important and make sure it's, I don't want to say it in a corner way, but kind of treasured, you know, treasure our program, treasure what we're trying to do. And hopefully the results can show for themselves. Well, I feel like with uh, the state of affairs that uh, we are with COVID and all that, um, to not be, be treasuring our activities that were taken away uh, for you know extended period of time, yep. I feel like that, that that shouldn't be too hard to motivate. But um, yeah, like how how is that how has that worked? Like having a year where everyone was kind of by themselves and then getting back to it. How has that transition gone? Um, I think it's I think it's been surprisingly really good because I think the kids just missed it. You know what I mean? They really missed it. And we didn't have a lot of nervousness or delay. And I don't know, you know, I don't want to get into that discussion, but we don't know 
who got vaccinated, who didn't. But I think there's just a relief that makes sense that people can get out there and start playing. And some of the new studies came out and showing that being outside in the sports is a, lo- a lot lower risk than initially thought. So I think just gave people relief. And I really think it's been positive. Yeah. I mean, when we were um, doing our Oakland County FC stuff, I remember in June, like the second or third game of the season just being so grateful and just appreciating how many people it takes just to have a game you know two sets <laughs> of players two sets of coaches you know the referees the uh the, the, the assistant staff all the scorekeeper and you know <laughs> you really appreciate all the people it takes to, to to make the game that we love happen no absolutely you know you got to thank the ad's you have to thank the referees all the assigners uh dan coos he's our macoma signer. he does a great job shout out to him uh you know it really takes more than just one thing you need parents that support it as well. So really thankful that everyone's just motivated to have their kids get back on the field. Yeah. Um, so you were about halfway through the season and uh, just over 500. So kind of what's the outlook and what's the rest of your season look like? Um, you know, I'm feeling positive. I think, you know, you look at our losses, we lost to Petoskey in the Petoskey tournament, but we played, you know, back to back games in a three game tournament and Petoskey's a top 10 team in D2. So I don't think that's a horrible loss. Uh, dropped a game to Dakota. Dakota's a fantastic Mac Red team. Uh, dropped one to De La Salle. There's never a shame in dropping one to De La Salle. Um, and when we dropped one to Gross Point South, uh, you know, we had a few card issues um, and a few close contact issues. So, you know, missing four or five guys. So hopefully we can give South a better run on the return trip. So really, I just feel like if we have the whole team back, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape and we'll be, you know, taking a shot at the white. Uh, but like I said, there's two other teams, you know, two, three other teams that can also make a run at it. So I feel like it's going to get kind of competitive, but I'm excited. I think the boys are up for it and they've been working hard. Um, definitely my highest scoring team I've had in a long time. You know, we're averaging about two and a half goals a game. So that's not a bad thing in, in the high school game. So basically – just got to sit and wait and see what happens. But overall, I'm pretty confident in the boys' ability. I think we're going to finish strong. Uh, everybody loves goals, right? <laughs> um, uh, so what's the kind of the construct of your team as far as uh, our seniors and juniors and whatnot? What's the, the spread of the ages on, on the varsity side? So so I have uh, uh, the goal, my goalkeeper, starting goalkeeper, Joey, uh, sophomore. Uh, back line is – sophomores and juniors except for mitch who's a senior so one one senior in the back line two seniors in the midfield um and then a senior up top and a senior out wide so you know we're still fairly young i'm not gonna say we're the youngest but to still have five or six starters be sophomores or juniors that's pretty good for a high school team um to lose four or five starting seniors i mean it's not great but it's also not bad so i think we have a good mix of experience and inexperience. Uh, up top, uh, David Garasimo, uh, he started the season. He's got nine goals and six assists in ten games. That's that's pretty good. So we got some firepower with the seniors, uh, and I'm looking forward to see how they finish off. And uh, like you said, you, you said you keep tabs on the um, the the junior varsity teams as well. So do you yeah. view it as just like a four year cycle and? Uh, kind of like analyzing who who might be the the ones that jump up a level next season and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, 
from a JV perspective, I think they've only lost one game. Have a, have a great freshman class. Actually, really excited about the freshman class that's that's come in. Uh, we have a, a two freshmen on JVA that kind of really took the leadership roles. It's kind of incredible for a freshman. And one of the freshmen, uh, Alex Capuso, actually moved him up for our Girls Point South game since I was missing six guys. <laughs> and he actually played 40, 42 minutes uh, in a game as a true freshman. That's the first freshman I've ever had play in a regular season contest uh, for me. So I'm really excited about that. Just to, the fact that he was able to get out there and, um, you know, I give him a B for that game. You know, that's a pretty good grade for a, a true freshman. Really exciting. Uh, so I think the future is looking good. I think more people are moving to Romeo, Washington area, right? So as that population grows, you're going to get the bigger pool of players. Uh, my first year, I think we had 51 kids at tryouts, and now we're at about 68 to 70. So, you know, we're not at Dakota Ike numbers, but they're growing, right? And I think that's really important. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I was actually going to ask you about um, interest and level. Like you, you've got five years. So that is a, a starting to go into a bit of a span where you can compare, I think. So yeah. um, so, so the, the enrollment or interest to try out is up. How would you say with your own team and your competition, has, has the, the level gone up or changed any in that in your span there at Romeo? Like from from us, like as a team, you, um, you can either either your own team, whether you think the level you said you're impressed with the freshmen, but also the competition that you're playing. Has, yeah, has the, the watermark rate gone up or down at all? I think, think the watermark has stayed the same. I mean, you know, those have been around for a long time. You know, the Dakotas and the Ikes. You know, Anchor Bay to this year is the standout team. I think they're eleven and zero. They're fantastic. Um, actually, one of uh, one of the brothers played for OCFC in the Dayton game. Carson Hodgson plays on anchor bay Um, they're having a great year uh unprecedented year actually very good year but you know i think you know our team personally has gotten better and better every season um we've we've had big wins you know we my first year i think we were 6 12 and 2 and then we went 11 6 and 3 10 9 and 2 and then last year 9 5 and 3 so we've been a consistent you know nine win team the last three years so I think we've we've gotten a little bit better and we're starting to catch up. You know, obviously some of it's getting the right coaches at the lower levels to help out and also having a bigger talent pool. I think there's a there's a combination, right? I don't think someone can say, oh, since I've been here, it's been this way. I mean, yeah, we've definitely made changes. I, I would put my coaching staff against anybody in the county. I mean, they're all qualified coaches. I don't know how many high schools can say that. Um, but... Also, talent pool coming in, uh, more club players joining the team. I think that is what kind of helps raise the bar at Romeo. But I think the main teams in, in the MAC they, they're all about the same, if not slightly better. They're they're always going to be good. So you said there's there's club players sliding over to the high school. Uh, can they choose? They can choose high school in the fall and club the rest of the year. Correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, aside from the academy, where they have to make a choice. Um, I haven't had that issue at my school yet. <laughs> Not too many academy players out my way. But, uh, yeah, they can play high school in the fall, club in the spring, and then if they play academy, I don't think they can play high school. So that, that that's definitely, like, helped your level. Um, for maybe if there's a, a middle school player or uh, someone, maybe a freshman, um, what can they do to prepare themselves? I guess more of a middle school question, what the player – 
uh, listening to this, what could they do now that would make them, um, you know, in the shop window to, to make varsity at a, a young age? Um, I think uh, the number one thing, I mean, to make varsity on my team, you got to, I think it's the same at Ike when I played there. I, I require a six-minute mile to make the team. Uh, I think conditioning is always something that should be the number one priority, right? I mean, especially when you're coaching in a public school, right? You never know what you're going to get every year, right? You might have one a freshman class one year that's amazing, and the other one's average. The other one has a couple studs. The other one maybe a lot of team players, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, conditioning – you can always have conditioning. So if you're running and working hard, you can compete with anyone at the high school level, in my opinion. I think when you're out of shape and not prepared, that makes your job much harder to play high school soccer. Uh, for uh, someone like myself with very young kids that are mm-hmm. th- that are into soccer as a uh, young age, mm-hmm. uh, what could you say uh, to parents that are, you know, public school uh, parents that are uh, young kids, what could you say? for advice to parents for uh, guiding them on the, uh, you know, player development pathway? Um, you know, definitely try to get them into club soccer. And, you know, I'm not saying you got to go pay five grand and do that, but I really think it's important to find the right coach. And some of these small clubs have really good coaches, right? Or maybe go to one of these bigger clubs and just get some training to supplement, uh, you know, your club's training, Right. And then secondly, what I think is a big one, and a few of my freshman parents actually did it the last couple of years, is having, you know, taking your kids to a game. I think that is so important because a couple of the freshmen I had this year, like, oh, I remember when you guys beat Dakota three years ago in a shootout and they were number five in the state and you guys were unranked. And it really motivated me to play soccer. I was so excited to be part of this program. I think that's it's kind of like the high school football thing, Rob, right? Like when you take a kid to high school football and then all they can dream about is playing for that team one day. I think the same thing can go for soccer because, you know, the, the sport's gotten more popular. We have more of the students coming to games now. We have the the dog pound, which which is at the football games. They start coming to our home games, uh, our game against Eisenhower, where we tied 2-2. It was really loud. I never seen the field that loud. And I think when you take your younger kids to that, I think they get, you know, pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, I know my grandfather showed me uh, recordings of like Liverpool games when I was five years old, and that uh-huh. stuck with me forever. So seeing it, and then like, I really am somewhat jealous of a uh, younger generation that can, can flip on a TV on the <laughs> weekend and and watch a plethora. I mean, it was you know there would be some windows and gaps where you know wouldn't see any sort of soccer on television. Yeah, I mean, it's it's much different. You can, you know, the amount of kids that know who Arsenal are and man you or they know the teams in syria which now people know you know like oh i like ac milan i'm like oh my god i'm like when i was a kid that was like if you didn't play fifa you you didn't see much of that (laughs) that's true and even when i was in college the the blockbuster video didn't even let us rent the fifa they didn't even know what we were talking about when we asked (laughs) for but i'm curious um being up in romeo um uh, one of Michigan-based uh, NISA teams, the Michigan Stars, has been playing out there. Do you guys ever see them out there at all? Um, I've been so busy just because I've had I got my wife pregnant with my second with my second one due any any day now. Uh, but you know, I talked to George, talked to Chris out there. Um, they've really uh, they've gotten better. You know, over this last year, they've secured some points. Uh, we have a good relationship. I know here in the next couple weeks, 
we're looking to try to do like a halftime show with the kids kind of juggling and kind of being the stars of the halftime show. So we're, we're kind of working together in that regard, but the relationship has been solid. Uh, spoke with Cody, my AD a few times. They said it's been really good and the games have been fun. Uh, looking to get out there for the next home game. Uh, I swung by a couple times. I just haven't had the time to be honest, but uh, it's good to see uh, the improvements they made as well. You know, they walked away three points, I think this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think that's good to have that because when you start getting the results, you know, people start seeing that as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Everyone likes to, to, to ascend with somebody. Right. And I was just curious if you were based there and we were speaking about like seeing an example of where the game can take you, like seeing the game on TV, or like you said, um, seeing the, the high school when you're a younger guy, uh, you know, it gives you, um, you know, something to, to work towards, something in your mind that what you know is possible. Like, I remember, like I said, when I was a kid, seeing the celebrations after scoring gold, I think oh, that's yeah. what sold me. It's just like seeing the passion, how excited the player is, how excited the crowd is, and, you know, seeing, you know, my grandpa and my father excited. So I was just curious if, um, you know, the stars were kind of like trying to get people out to the games with you guys or – if yeah, the team had had made an outing or anything like that. Yeah, we've had we've had discussions, and unfortunately, just on my end, just having some of these close contact issues, I just didn't want to risk it yet. Right? I mean, we've had some discussions about getting out there and uh, having them just kick around at halftime. I think would be cool, just because you have people watching. You know what I mean? And just the issue right now has just been safety, Rob. That's really been the issue, and we've had games every weekend actually, so that's also made it difficult. So. Um, I know I talked with uh, with uh, Coach Chan over at and Stevenson too about just having the kids go do some freestyling out in the field on the next home game. I think they're away this weekend. I think the weekend after they are home, and we're looking to see if we could collaborate there. Uh, so you've got um, if you guys are back up and uh, running with games, you have uh, looks like four games in the next uh, nine days. Um, how do you balance that? Uh, well. Uh, we've been off here for a few days. We get back to practice hopefully tomorrow, and we play back-to-back. So we got Cousinal Wednesday, Stony Creek Thursday. Uh, really what we try to do is on the on the in-betweens, on the games, on the off days, I really try to get the guys to get the tennis shoes on and run like a slow mile. We don't get overly intense, and I think that's an advantage to have if you worked hard all summer, right? So the guys are fit, and we can kind of take t- that time to kind of recuperate. Uh, we kind of play that handball game where you make like two end zones and you, you only get three steps and you throw the ball and just kind of get the guys loosened up just so we're not so strenuous. I mean, it's a lot of soccer and depending on the game, I mean, some guys just aren't coming off the field. Right. So I believe it or not, Rob, you know me. Um, I try to kind of uh, calm things down. <laughs> what I can. You do. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know if it's the 30s getting to me or what, but um, yeah, definitely mellowing out, coach. Some sometimes, sometimes I think sometimes they just need a break, and I think sometimes when they play well, I think as much as someone can yell or be upset, I think at the same time when they do well, you have to let them know that too. I think that way, that's how I always try to defend myself: is hey, I know I'm giving them a hard time, but when they're doing well, you you betcha, I'll be the number one cheerleader out there. I think that's a good balance. As long as you're consistent, as long as the passion is the same passion both ways, right? If you're passionate when you're negative, you should be passionate when you're positive. 
And that's try to ha- kind of how I run my life, even at work, to be honest with you. Uh, stepping away from your job for just a second, I like to ask passionate soccer folks uh, mm-hmm. what their favorite goal is that they scored themselves or they've seen. Um, what's yours, Coach Vinny? The one that I scored or one that I've seen or both? Any of the above. Um, I'll do one for me and one of the best I've ever seen. So the best goal I scored, probably just more of a situational goal, is state semifinals, playing for Ike my junior year against Celine, Peter Novak, legend, gave me a ball on top of the box, and I hit a left footer, my opposite foot, upper left corner from the right corner of the box to make it 2 nothing. And then the best goal I ever seen from my favorite player, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a bicycle kick 2012 against England where he scored four goals. Against oh, was that the the one off the header and he bicycle kicked way far out? Yeah, yeah, that's probably the crazy, most insane goal I've ever seen. <laughs> those are sound like awesome memories especially the one that you scored uh that that sounds something very special something to to savor uh for a long long time so um those folks out there curious about uh romeo athletics so uh, where mm-hmm. can they check more out uh romeoathletics.com or i think it's dot com Actually, let me make sure that. Yeah, I'm, I'm look. I've actually got that up in front of me. It is yeah. <laughs> RomeoAthletics.com. Yeah, RomeoAthletics.com. Uh, all our things are up there. Uh, we have Romeo Boys Soccer Facebook page. I apologize, I didn't update it this weekend, but I will update it uh, with the results. Uh, and in there, we try to keep it updated throughout the year. Like when we get the new jerseys, we we release the jerseys out there when we, when we get them. Um. Yeah, and you know, also come out to a home game sometime uh, out at Barnabo Field at the new stadium. It's on uh, 29 and Jewel, the new school. Uh, great complex. And honestly, any questions, Instagram on Instagram, obviously. Um, Facebook, if you message the page, I can answer any questions that people may have uh, regarding that. All right. Romeo High School head coach Vinny Vasilevsky, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for Thanks, joining Rob. Michigan Soccer Central. Appreciate it, Rob. Thank you. Anytime. Soccer Central, our final segment of this week's episode. Uh, we shift our focus with the same age group, but um, we're going to check in with our friend, a pro soccer scout for the Soccer Syndicate and regular Michigan Soccer Central friend, Brooks Lambeer, to talk about uh, what he checked out over the weekend. How's it going, Brooks? I'm good, Robert. Um, good weekend. Uh, nice weather yesterday and... Uh... You know, watching a lot of soccer, so can't complain. Yeah, so like I tend to ask, uh, tell me about your uh, soccer weekend. We're recording on the 20th. Tell me about uh, this this past uh, few days. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> no games on the 20th. Or Sorry, the ni- uh, yesterday was the 19th, and the 18th was Saturday. So um, there are no games on the 18th. Um, sometimes, unless next, what will happen sometimes is teams, like let's say you get like, uh, Chicago fire and Chicago soccer's like 
They may come to Michigan and play Wolves and Vardar. Soccer's may play Wolves on Saturday and then go play Wolves on Sunday. And then Fire may play Wolves on Saturday and then go play Vardar on Sunday. So that's a common thing. But this weekend, um, uh, just a little different. Um, looks like I think the Jags head off and then uh, I don't think Vardar had any games or if they did, they were away. Um, anyway, so yesterday was, was a good one. Um, Midwest United and, uh, Michigan Wolves, um, two good, two good, uh, programs that, um, um, you know, that, uh, Midwest kind of just, just starting on MLS next. Uh, they just joined last year and last year they only had 13s and 14s, uh, this year now they're 13 through 19. So, um, that's, that's interesting. It's, it's a little new to them, but, um, you know, they're, they're a very big club and they're very prepared for it. And then the Michigan wolves who have been in since the, the beginning of Academy soccer, all the way back to when the USSDA started. So, um, the wolves have been doing this for a while and, uh, they're used to this and, um, you know, there were some good matches, uh, you know, I mean, start with the 13s. I mean, I watched the 13s, 14s and 15s, um, Unfortunately, at the same time, sometimes what they do in matches is uh, sometimes, you know, like when they play it, when the Wolves play at Schoolcraft, they'll play games in the dome at the same time they play outside on the turf field where the where the Schoolcraft men's and women's team usually play. Um, and it gets it's just a way to, to pass time quickly instead of starting at nine o'clock in the morning and running every game until, you know, eight at night you know, so it's just, it gets, it gets people out of there a little quicker, but, um, in the matches I saw the 13s was a good match. Um, I can't recall the score. I didn't really write, I didn't write down in the scores. I know there, there are very low scoring. There weren't many goals in the matches I saw. Um, but I mean, it was a good match. I mean, the Wolves 13s definitely improved from when I saw them play against Jags a couple weeks ago and they looked really comfortable playing the ball and, um, you know, combining and, in spacing and, and Lars Richter's coaches that team. And Lars is a very good coach. Um, he's been at it for a very long time. He's been with the Michigan wolves for a very long time. He's developed a lot of players. He's a very good man and he's a school teacher. And he did some coaching. I think at, I don't know if it was Stevenson, I think he, he used to be the coach at high school coach at back in the day. Um, but uh, it was a good match. Uh, the, the Midwest 13s looked a little, um, they a little bit of work they need. They, there was good moments, um, but they just couldn't quite put things together. Um, the 14s match was really good. I, I thought that was um, that was a that was a well that uh, was a well match. That uh, was a good match between both sides. Um, it may have been a goal each in that one. Uh, again, Midwest. I thought well, I think Midwest was a stronger team in that match, but I think the Wolves 14s did a very good job. Um, cause the past few weeks I'd, I had seen them play, they had looked a little shaky and I think they cleaned up a little, some of their stuff a bit, um, especially in the back. So they're a little more structured, but it was a good, it was a good, um, result there. Um, I think, I think it was a one, one draw that one. And then the 15s, uh, were, were interesting. Um, I mean, the fort, the wolves 14s were good last year. They returned a lot of their good players. Uh, so that 15 squad is solid and they were, um, you know, they, they played as advertised. There wasn't a lot of goals though, but I thought Midwest, um, had a, had a lot of, had a lot of good players and good chances to win that match. And I think that ended up being zero, zero, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember, but, um, so yeah, it was a good weekend. I think one thing that surprised me 
is when you see kids from the west side of the state, because, you know, I see Jags and Wolves and Vardar a lot. You don't realize uh, how how big a lot of the kids are on the west side of the state. I can definitely tell you there are a lot of really big 14s and 15s on the Midwest United team. So uh, a lot of those Eastern European kids and, um, you know, there's have some good genetics out there or whatever they're drinking out in the, there in the water on the west side of the state. So <laughs> um, it was a uh, it was a good it was a good weekend. Can't complain. Sounds uh, like a, an extensive soccer weekend. So uh, would you say that, was that your first look at Midwest United? Because uh, truth be told, that's what reminded me to uh, touch base with you regarding MLS Next was uh, the conversation I had on last week's episode with um, director of Midwest United, Lewis Robinson. Um, mm-hmm. how, how did they look if that was their, their, their first real taste of it? Um, I mean, so last year I saw them play and I didn't really honestly think much of their 13s and 14s. I, I don't think, I think it was just thrown together so quickly or they just weren't sure. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, there, there, I don't, I don't know if there are as many clubs like within a, like the greater Detroit area as there is in the greater Grand Rapids area, but there are a few, um, you have like MFA who George Money and, the Bronies and, and a couple other people split off from Midwest to, to, to make. Um, and I know they, they probably took some kids from Midwest to join MFA because MFA is a very solid club, especially at the younger levels. Um, then, then you have like Lakeshore, I think down in Muskegon, and then you have, you know, TC Storm and Traverse City, which is obviously outside the Grand Rapids area. Um, you have like West Michigan Fire. Um, you know, then you get down to Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo with Kalamazoo Kingdom and everything. Um, there's probably a team I'm missing somewhere in there. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I thought they were okay when they first came in. I, I think maybe the kids just weren't ready for the competition and just, you know, knew what it was going to be about because it is a jump. I, you know, it is a jump at times, depending on what level you're playing at USYS to MLS next or what was the USSDA. Um, but I, I mean, I thought overall as a club, I thought, I mean, I thought they were, um, they were good. I, I think, you know, in the case with, I mean, I, I listened to your podcast with Lewis Robinson. I think in the case where, you know, if, if so says, you know, the, um, you know, if we read between the lines that Lewis is going to, they're going to get a men's team. And, you know, if the fall falls in line with them getting a USL championship team out in Grand Rapids, um, I think Midwest United is a good club for it. You just have to now put the right coaches in place to develop the kids at the certain ages. And you need to have a plan for how the kids are going to play in the style. And, uh, obviously you need the plan too, before they get into that, uh, MLS next setting, you know, the nine B nine, you know, six B six and, you know, younger, you're going to have to really think about, you know, how you're going to develop the kids to transition them from each year, um, as they go, as they grow. So. With someone in your line of work, it has to be exciting hearing about, uh, the, ambitious plans being um talked about over there on the west side of the state yeah i mean i think so i i think the midwest is a or sorry grand rapids and midwest united it is an area of a lot of soccer talent um it's always been a place for good soccer talent it's you know, they've had guys like Brad Dunwell, Casey Townsend came from Traverse City. Casey played at uh, University of Maryland, was drafted in MLS draft. He didn't have a super long playing career, but you got a guy like Brad Dunwell who played, a, you know, he was on the west side of the state and he played for Vardar, 
played at Wake Forest and um, he uh, he plays now for Oklahoma City Energy in the USL Championship. Uh, you got like guys like Brandon Bay, um, the Battle Creek, you know, Kalamazoo goes play for Kalamazoo Kingdom. He you know he lives on that that you know a little further down from Grand Rapids on that side of the state. And you know Brandon played at Western and and he now plays for New England Revolution. So you have a lot, and and that's not to forget Caleb Porter, who um, coaches the Columbus Crew, coached the Portland Timbers, played at IU, and was a Vardar guy, and uh, played for the Columbus Crew for a little while um, in uh, MLS in its early years. Uh, was a guy from Portage, Michigan. So there, there have been a lot of soccer players that have played professional soccer, and I'm probably forgetting a few to be honest with you. I mean, gets, I mean, you. Have, He's not from Michigan, but he played at Davenport with Stephen Carroll, who plays for DCFC. Um, you know, so there are a lot of good soccer players on the west side of the state. Oh, uh, let's not forget Jared Timmer. Um, Greg Timmer, his younger, his older brother, coaches at Midwest United. Very nice guy. Um, I watched Greg play at Western Michigan and Lansing United um, when he played there for a couple summers. And uh, his brother, his younger brother Jared, was went to Butler and he plays at Indy Eleven right now. He played for Reno. Um, 1980 or 18. Yeah. He played for Reno San Jose's affiliate before they folded. But anyways, I don't want to digress too much, but (laughs) yes, the West side of the state has always had some good players and I would love to see them get a USL championship club. I think it would be great for player development on that side of the state. Um, I think it is a area that can support a USL championship team. I think they would love it. Uh, The question is the financing part. Um, they have to get the stadium done. And then once you get the stadium, you know, the stadium in the area, you know, the money they need for it, and then they can build that. And then USL says, you know, you have the expansion fee, we can get you a team over there. You know, then the fun part is, um, if, if that happen, if that ever happens, when it happens, um, now they need to, uh, just get everything set up. And, uh, and that's where you kind of figure out with Midwest United or whatever youth club you're going to use, or if you're going to start a new one, you know, um, like a new academy team that, uh, you know, what you're going to do from there on. So it's, it'll be interesting. It's, it's a fun, exciting time in, in Grand Rapids, I think, with a lot of the news that they have going on around there. Yeah, it would definitely uh, be a, definitely a, a different turn in the dynamic and a good outlet for uh, a lot of that talent that you listed off there. But um, <laughs> we digressed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, stepping back to, to what you watched over the weekend and kind of that um, the league, because we spent a lot of the night um, talking high school and stuff like that. So let's take a, a step back. Um, MLS Next is kind of a new label on the academy system. Can you explain what that is and uh, who, who plays in it? Yeah, the MLS Next system. So, yeah, the MLS Next system um, is so. What was <laughs> what was the USSDA? So, yeah, just and I, we've explained this before, but I'll try to go into depth here. So, what was the US Soc- United States Soccer Development Academy? Now became MLS Next was essentially when the USSDA started, which, geez, I I graduated in high school in 2009, so I think it was a three-month, I think it only went half the year when I was a junior or senior in high school, and then it went to 10 months, I think, when I was a freshman in college. But it was, the, the academy system was created 
for you in U.S. soccer to for high level soccer players to get constant competitive games, matches, and practice. You know, um, for high level players to de- to start to develop them because I. Th- U.S. soccer kind of saw USYS and some other stuff, and there was just there were so many teams. You know, you wouldn't get constant. You know, you only train two nights a week. It wouldn't be four nights of training. Um, it wasn't consistently, you know, great training, depending on which club you played for. And you know, that's why if you kind of see like the U.S. soccer, they've kind of upped the licenses and they've kind of restructured it and. You know, and obviously you don't become a good coach just through, you know, getting your coaching licenses through U.S. soccer. It obviously takes time and and working in the, and, you know, coaching teams and working with other coaches to help you learn from and such. But, you know, so that's the USSDA started to get more competitive soccer in the United States. And and it has. I mean, listen, it, it's it's created players like Weston McKenney, the Christian Polisics, uh, the Chris Richards, who's at Bayern Munich. Gio Reyna, who's over at Dortmund, um, you know, Justin Chi, who's at FC Dallas, who's looking to go overseas to Bayern Munich, you know, the Ricardo Pepe's of the world. If you got, if anyone watched the U S men's national team game, um, you know, the Brandon Cervanias who, who have kind of, he's been in and out a bit lately, but you know, I mean, if you look at Seattle and Dallas and, in Philadelphia and you see all these young kids starting to play with the first teams with these guys that are, you know, these college guys, plus these international veterans and MLS veterans. I mean, the USSDA has done its job and, and helped develop players in, in America. So, you know, when the USS US soccer, no one no longer wanted to run the USSDA and whether it was financial reasons or some, something else, why they just randomly didn't want to do it. MLS, you know, obviously had, you know, was obligated to pick it up because if there was no MLS Academy system or not MLS, but just soccer Academy system in the United States, um, you know, I think we as a nation would kind of digress a bit because, you know, some of those kids, I mean, we, we could, we could probably make USYS or ECNL teams that have certain club settings and train four nights a week and, and such. But, you know, the objective is you want to get the best players together to play with the top 1%. And, um, that will develop players. Now, does every MLS next team, whether it's an MLS Academy or not MLS Academy, you know, always have out of 20 kids, 15, one percenters. No, I mean, I could tell you that from watching games weekend to weekend, I can tell, you know, the local MLS next teams, um, and even some of the MLS Academy teams, you can tell that, you know, MLS Academy is more so than the local teams you know, don't always have 15 players that are diehards that want to play professional soccer, um, you know, and want to go over to Europe, you know, um, there may be, you know, you may get five or six kids than rather before when, you know, the US USSDA started where you maybe had two or three. Um, and then they, you know, they have to go play ODP and that was only every so often. And then you make your regional team and then go to nationals. Then you get spotted for the residency program, the 17 residency program in Florida, Bradington. And, you know, you go train there with the top level guys. And, you know, it, it was tough. You know, you had to, there was a, there was a route to go. Um, so I think MLS next has done its job. I think there is still some structuring to do in terms of, you know, 
travel and adding certain clubs that should be in there and, and finding, you know, the right amount of games to play and, um, and obviously non MLS Academy teams, you know, figure out ways to train or to offer kids certain things, or, you know, that there's that end of the spectrum. And then you also have the other end of the spectrum where, you know, you get the MLS academies taking kids from the non MLS academies and, you know, it's still a pain and there's still territories within MLS. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of other, other, you know, uh, nuances to the MLS, you know, youth system, especially the academy system. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's done its job. You know, I, I can't complain with, with, you know, the progress in the players I see from weekend to weekend, um, would I like the local kids to be a little further? Of course I would. And, you know, and like we talked about before, Robert, you know, I kind of broke down and I talked about when I first came on, I talked about what's the difference between like the Midwest, the West coast and the East coast. I mean, would I like to see more technical footballers in the Midwest? Yeah. And I think it has to do with starting at a young age and having a passion for soccer. And, but it also has something to do with, and I love DCFC and I think DCFC has been great for Detroit. Um, but I'm just curious how many kids go on to watch DCFC. And, you know, I think DCFC does a wonderful job of getting the players out and into the community and getting coaches out into the community and, and doing camps and clinics and, and such to help grow the game, you know, but with kids, you know, how much do they, do they watch the game? Like they watch basketball or football or baseball. And, you know, they, you know, that's the one advantage is, you know, I'm not knocking on NISA, but you know, if you had an MLS team or a USL championship team, um, you know, there's something for a kid to aspire to, not that kids don't aspire to play for DCFC because I think they should, but you know, it's not like you have the, you know, it's like when I was in high school or middle school, I had, I can go watch Detroit Tigers games and I could go aspire to be, you know, a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers or, you know, a basketball player for the Detroit Pistons. Cause that was the highest league you could go watch and you could go as a kid and watch the best players. Um, you know, I think that's a little bit what, you know, around here we, we miss a little bit. Our kids don't do enough, you know, if they go around the country and to watch like Columbus Crew or Chicago Fire or, and whatnot. So, you know, it, 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 that's got to start from there. And then it gets into your training, you know, for kids to do the technical side and everything. And, um, you know, it kind of starts, you know, from having a dream and, and working hard towards something and then, you know, getting in the right environment and with the right coaches and then getting passed on when, when you've, when you've kind of phased out of the, of the group you're in and, and going to a, in a tougher environment and, you know, in development, there's a lot of stages and it's, it's a long journey. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, more of a marathon approach than a sprint, especially, I mean, if the, the very passionate kids are starting, you know, in the single digit ages, uh, it's definitely a long-term thing. Like you said, lots of different stages. Um, when we, as we go out, I'm going to talk about the Michigan soccer central and we are soccer uh, team of the week. Um, we've had some good ones in our opening few weeks. Do you think you saw any performances over the last weekend that might uh, warrant it and throw into our uh, discussion panel? Um, <laughs> that's hard because you only really see a, um, I mean, I'm only seeing two teams, you know, I'm not, you know, if I went Monday to Sunday seeing, um, if I went Monday to Sunday to see high school, you know, uh, just youth matches, I, I, I'm not a fan of high school soccer. I played high school soccer. It was different when, 
I played because it was top players still playing. It was competitive. You know, people played, you know, good styles of soccer. It wasn't really direct. Um, you know, but if I went and watched, you know, all the 13s and 14s across the state, plus the MLS next teams between the 13s and 19 ages, I think, you know, um, you know, I'm sure, uh, there'd be a good mixture of, you know, whether it's MLS next or USYS or ECNL teams that would qualify for team of the week, you know? So, uh, you know, it can be anyone to get team of the week, just not, you know, an MLS next team. And I mean, I guess this weekend it, it was okay. I don't know if I'd really, I don't know, I guess per se nominate one, but you know, in the future, definitely there could be one of those clubs. Very diplomatic of you, uh, Mr. <laughs> Lambeer. And uh, thank you so much <laughs> for uh, kind of uh, lending your knowledge of this uh, academy system. Mm-hmm. Um, we're learning about all the different tiers of soccer here in the Great Lakes. They, we uh, reviewed some of the um, uh, NISA scores at the beginning and uh, then talked to a few high school coaches. And now we uh, took a peek into the MLX next realm, formerly the DA. But Mr. Brooks Lambeer, uh, where can folks uh, catch uh, more of you out there? Oh, um, I mean, I'm on Twitter. You know, I, I really don't tweet. I mean, sometimes I'll share photos of the games I'm at. You know, same with Instagram. Um, you know, I mean, I really don't. Uh, you know, as a scout, we really don't you know, boast about the game, you know, the players we see, I mean, you really shouldn't because, you know, you don't want to give away things you find, you know? So, uh, I mean, I think parents know, I mean, parents, if they listen to this or kids, I mean, especially at MLS next matches, I mean, I see a lot of people that I run into and like, Oh, I've seen you here before. And, you know, we start chatting and, you know, I, I mean, I meet a lot of nice people, you know, every weekend and, um, you know, so, I mean, I mean, people will catch me at, MLS next matches. I mean, I'll probably be at a few, uh, you know, when a couple of the ECNL teams around here have some home matches, I'll have to go check out that. And obviously some of the USYS national league, you know, the upper tier teams and, uh, you know, um, college matches as well, you know, so, uh, and I need to get out to more DCFC matches. That's one thing I need to do. I, I watch them a lot online, but I need to get out there and, and get to some of them, but you know, I'm around, um, <laughs> I'm around quiet, just sitting in a chair and, uh, or you just sitting there with a notebook on the sideline or in the stands or on top of the press box or something, you know, just, just being myself. (laughs) Yes. I do know you as the guy that stands on top of the press box, but I was trying to give you the opportunity to plug, uh, your spot with, uh, our guest from a few weeks ago, Craig Hurden doing the MLS roundup show. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, Craig and I, um, yeah, if you guys, if, if anyone that likes MLS, um, you know, Craig Hearn from We Are Soccer, and I've got to go on there and talk about scouting. If you go through the, you go through the videos on the We Are Soccer Facebook page, my, uh, our, our like 35, 40 minute video on scouting is up there. And, and it's similar to the, the podcast I did on scouting here with maybe a little, other, little, um, little other, uh, tips or information, but yeah. So Craig Hearn and I, we do a, we do a little segment, you know, 15 to 30 minutes of, kind of the roundup of the past MLS, uh, matches from the week, from the week that was. And, um, you know, we just talk about games, what happened, uh, standings and, you know, just, just kind of fun. You know, Craig does one with Nate where they do a Bundesliga. So we didn't, we did MLS round MLS version of, it. and I know MLS isn't everyone's favorite league, but 
um, you know, there's some good and bad things and, you know, there's some laughable things, uh, you know, like a couple of weeks ago when Henry, Henry Kessler decided to just kick the ball out of bounds and then take the ball off the ball rack and just throw it out of bounds. And, you know, there's, there's funny moments that happen in MLS, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, we like to talk soccer, you know, that's what we just do. We talk soccer and, you know, we enjoy it and, you know, we just want to spread the passion of the game. So yeah, that, that's another thing I do too on, on we are soccer, a uh, little MLS roundup one day a week. So it's a fun time. All right. Brooks Lambeer pro soccer scout for the soccer syndicate and our uh, friend of the show. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us this week. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Robert. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I need to get back and um, hopefully we can, I can interview some people or I can jump on an interview with you when we interview some guys and uh, I need to get back to doing a little bit of podcasting for MSC. Sure thing. Thank you, listener, for tuning in once again. Always appreciate it. Love the listeners. And uh, if anyone sees a wonderful performance on or off the field from one of our Michigan-based teams, send a direct message to either Michigan Soccer Central or We Are Soccer uh, social media pages. We like to uh, shine a light on uh, awesome performances and a little bit of exposure for uh, youth teams across the Great Lakes State. Thank you to Jenny Hajanaki for editing the show. As always, thank you to Dan Katranza for the music. I am Robert Kerr once again, and until next time, enjoy your soccer.